Am I Reister or am I wrong? All of the pro leagues protesting racial injustice right now, I love it. But canceling the seasons would have been the wrong move. Are those millionaire athletes really afraid of the police? The Big Ten potentially starting after Thanksgiving is the right move. Let other people be the crash test dummies. Max Kellerman was right about the SEC voters being susceptible to low quality information. Voting along party lines is stupid. And great parting shot for today. Am I Reister or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only here. Check your feelings at the door. This ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes, or any social justice warriors. And absolutely no BS because I keep it 100. Of course, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Tell a friend. Uh, share everything because we grew over 40% last month and we are going to continue to do it, spreading the word, spreading the truth. Uh, if you want to listen to me also, you can listen to me on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and on Fox Sports Radio Sundays 2 to 5 Pacific and weekdays filling in. Got a bunch of dates next week as well. We are going to start though with the professional leagues that are protesting. And before we even get there, I just want to just one quick note. The penalty for non-compliance or resisting arrest with the police is not death. You're innocent until proven guilty. And stop this no angeling, which I'll explain on another podcast another day. Um, But the pro leagues, you got the NBA, MLB, MLS, NHL, and the WNBA. They're all protesting racial injustice. Their seasons have stopped, except the the MLB, which has just had a bunch of games that have been postponed. So I love it. But canceling the seasons would have been the right move. Some were considering it. It would have been terrible because that's what they want you to do. Because I applaud athletes for using their voice. And college athletes are going down that same road. They're following suit. Because these are some of your future leaders of America. Like so many college athletes have turned into senators, congressmen, upper management at Fortune 500 companies, tech firms, all of that. So the idea that they should shut up and dribble makes no sense. But it is led the way by the pros. And it's clear that the time is now. Because NBA players have truly been on the forefront of more than an athlete, using your voice, your brand matters. Because it was NBA players that first started forcing their way out of situations that they didn't want to be in. Then you had uh, football players follow suit. MLB players do it sometimes. And now the NBA players were on the forefront of walking away from the game to let people know we are very serious about these social justice issues. Because the only way to affect change out in the world is to affect the money. If you don't bother the people who have the money and have the influence, then there is no change. There's no way that that can happen. And the NBA and the NBAPA have come up with a new agreement with the owners. Some meaningful things. 
So they are going to have a social justice coalition and there's going to be a conversion of the team arenas into voting locations for November and the creation of advertisement spots in playoff games to promote civic engagement. So trying to do the right things out in the world is what matters because you people have said, well, if the players were really serious, they would just stop the season and go in their communities and, and do work. A lot of them are doing that, but real change actually comes with change in policy. You can do great work in the community, but if laws don't change and the systems in place don't change, it does not matter. You're still playing against a stacked deck. And that's why I've said that playing for the players and not sitting out is, is crucially important because so many people want these players to shut up and get out of their face with this nuisance, with these social justice messages, with uh, the, the constant bringing up of these difficult, these topics that are difficult to discuss, which I talked about on the last podcast, which is it's hard for people to talk about race in America because it's hard for them to say that, yes, I love America, but also it ain't been good to people and there's still racist things in place. And if the players don't play, they take the microphone away from themselves That's one of the things that happened with Colin Kaepernick. He took the microphone away from himself despite donating a million dollars, doing great things out in the community. He let people write his narrative for him. Oh, he doesn't want to play. He uh, wants too much money. Any of those things. He let people write it for him. And the NBA players, they would have said, oh, they don't want to play because of the coronavirus. They don't want to play because of this and that. Yes, big time players like LeBron James would still have a voice and a platform. But how about Bucks player Sterling Brown, who was harassed by the police? What about Spencer Dinwiddie? What about the lower players, lower tier players who still want to be active in their communities like the George Hills? It matters having a platform because when you are out there in front, your your message is magnified. When it's in pictures and audio, not just audio, because because we've seen the uh, the car crashes get the headlines, the spectacular gets the headlines, the good work in the community uh, gets a blurb in the back, not the same thing. And I know for players, it is difficult to play with heavy hearts, but I would implore you, whether you are college pro or just a person in general, Don't give them what they want. They want you silenced. Look at the media coverage from the protests. They were front and center daily months and months ago after George Floyd's death. The protests really never stopped, but you would think they did depending on where you live because they didn't talk about it in certain areas. So they thought it was gone. Do not silence yourself. Just Quitting on a situation does not solve the problem. Stay out there in front. Advocate because that is what matters. Now on to the next thing. Uh, Are those same quote unquote millionaire athletes really afraid of the police? Because you see LeBron James, you've seen Kyrie Irving, you've seen so many other pro athletes that say that they are afraid of the police, afraid for their kids. The first thing is, 
all the athletes that are talking, particularly uh, non-NBA players, they're not all millionaires. That's the first thing. You don't know their finances just like they don't know yours. And in the NFL, not everybody makes a million dollars. Yes, players are high. There are players who are high up on the totem pole, but that ain't everybody. And millionaires, they can't be scared, right? They live in nice neighborhoods. Their kids go to private schools a lot of times. Here is the truth. You can't control what somebody feels. Just like when when police officers, when they turn around and say, oh, I was afraid for my life. Can they and people side with that, right? Exactly the same thing. And I will tell you, speak from my personal experience. I am of my my oldest son is 14 years old. I am afraid of what happens to him driving a nice car when that time comes in the wrong neighborhood. Karen's calling the police for no reason because they don't think he belongs there. I mean, what if he's upset about being harassed because he's minding his own business with his friends? Like the uh, the penalty for noncompliance should not be death, but it does happen. What if the police show up for something else and automatically assume it's the black people because we have seen it. And my own experience is. Mind you, because a lot of these pro athletes did not grow up with money and their life experience a lot of times has been negative with the police. My first interaction, real interaction alone with the police was I was 16 years old driving with my best friend at the time. We get pulled over in Pasadena and the police stopped us to check and see if we were okay. Pulled us out of the car, searched the car illegally, all of that, just to see if we were okay. And it doesn't change when you get money either. Because then you're young, driving an expensive car, in a nice neighborhood, they don't feel like you belong. I've been handcuffed on the side of the street at a club. They're like, oh, because probably they probably thought I was a drug dealer. Whatever they thought. No reason to be pulled over. No reason to be handcuffed, but they're searching the car. Come on, man. Because people don't think that that young black people belong in certain places or black people in general. We've seen the videos. I mean, so that's why there is fear. And when the police show up and you are a person because we've seen how people act when they are harassed by the police. They're like, yo, why are you bothering me? Regardless of whether you're white, black, anything, you are in America. So you don't want people just bothering you for no reason. You're like, why are you over here talking to me? Go talk to that person over there. Let me let me see your ID. Why? It's not legal. I don't have to give it to you unless I'm being detained, unless I'm driving a motor vehicle. Like, that's just the truth, man. And these things have impacts on people's life. Because I got arrested in 2010, December of 2010, I think it think it was, was at my parents' house. And I was there asleep. It was like five something in the morning. Get arrested by the police because the neighbor, I had a $100,000 car parked outside. The neighbor said that I broke into their Hyundai, stole a phone charger and a GPS. And I got arrested. There's no film. There's no nothing because I had my ass in the house sleep. And now because of that situation, because of going through that, because of being arrested, uh, I travel a lot. 
No P, no TSA pre-check for your for, for your boy. Cause I had to go through the system to try to exonerate myself. It's just, it's just terrible. But then they tell you to comply, and then you get Philando Castile. And the NBA, which has been on the forefront of this, is composed of a lot of proud and active black fathers and fathers in general. And the Jacob Blake incident taking place in front of his kids was the worst nightmare for any father, but especially black fathers. Because without the kids, the outrage would still be high. But adding the kids to the scene just took it just up to a whole nother level. Um, on to the Big Ten. The Big Ten parents, they are, they've been protesting. They filed lawsuits, all of this. But that is not what moved the Big Ten potentially starting after Thanksgiving. Because I've said that that's the right move. Let other people be your crash test dummies. And this is about money. Truly, it is for the Big Ten. It's not about anybody. Lawsuits It's not about any of that because they weren't revisiting it. It's the opportunity to play 10 games instead of eight games in the spring, which is all about money. I mean, look at the history of, of life, of business, as it relates to somebody else being your crash test dummy. Because the, uh, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are all supposed to start. Miami has a game September 10th. The Big 10, Oklahoma has a game September 12th. And then the SEC is supposed to start September 26th. Facebook, they didn't waste a lot of time, energy, and failure starting Instagram. They waited till it worked, and then they bought it, and then they turned it into making it better, integrated it into their system, and that's what the Big Ten is trying to do. They're like, let's wait and see how this works out for these other conferences because you got Alabama, Notre Dame, UNC, other campuses uh, where their COVID numbers are going up significantly. Are they hiding these numbers? What Under what circumstances do they cancel? You had a team the other day, 21 COVID cases, all but four offensive linemen. They do what football coaches do. Move up the drill. We're still practicing. How do you practice with only four offensive linemen? That's what football coaches do. They coach football. That's why they can't be a part of the decision whether to play or not. But again, you always have to follow the money. Because these colleges have a very tough choice. Allow students on campus, that student on campus money versus the athletic department budget money. Because everybody's talking about this sports money. Which one is bigger? If you have, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, 30,000 students on campus paying $20,000 a year. And then fees, all of that stuff. You're looking at like $700 million. 700 million versus 150, maybe 200 at some schools for the athletic budget. But Ohio State, 50,000 students, you're already looking at a billion dollars in tuition money. So which one is bigger? That's why they wanted the students on campus, because parents are not interested in paying online school prices for in school, uh, potential in school education. So that's why. They've been trying to bring it back. 
And it was a bad decision to try to do both at the same time because the school has the endowment, these billion dollar endowments to back up any shortfall with the students and tuition and all of that. The athletic department does not have that because it's built on a house of cards, which I talked about on another podcast. So go back, listen, and it will all be explained to you there because all of this is about wanting to play ball and the NFL is doing the same thing. Look at the Seahawks, the Seahawks and a couple of other teams. They aren't having fans in their stands or trying to do certain things until they prove until other people prove that it works Till other people prove that it works. Cause they're like, mm, we're going to wait to see how it goes with the chiefs, the Cowboys and the dolphins. Let's see how that goes back to college football. Clemson said that they're talking about having 13,000 fans at the stadium. I don't know how you expect this to go well. Kansas City Chiefs had 2,000 at their practice last week. They weren't wearing masks. A good portion of people weren't wearing masks. How does that work for a public health crisis in those cities? And how are you going to enforce it? Like the college kids are having house parties. What do you think tailgating is? It's a big house party outside and you're going to get people to follow those rules. You're going to have people in yellow jackets enforce it. Yeah, right. It's not happening. People are going to be drinking, no mass, lowered inhibitions. Yeah, let's see how well that goes. Uh, on to Max Kellerman. Max Kellerman, ESPN host, ESPN radio show. He was right about Trump, about SEC Trump supporters, because knowledge is power. And if you listen to people, what they have to say, instead of fact checking, turning what they say, reading other things and coming up with your own independent thoughts. If you refuse to read anything except for things that you agree with, it is a problem. This is not a partisan issue. This is a bipartisan issue. Here is what Max said. He said um, um, that he made the argument a couple weeks ago that if you thought SEC football wasn't played, that it could swing the general election because people in Trump's base would be very upset they didn't have football, which is practically a religion down there. He said he disagreed because he would because Trump would simply shift the blame because the pandemic is raging. They seem to be susceptible to very low quality information and easy to propagandize at and almost immune to facts. He is 100% right because knowledge is power. Education matters. And it just so happens that seven of the 10 least educated states in the country are in SEC country. And this was a study by Wallet Hub. And oh, well, why is why are you citing Wallet Hub? Well, because Fox News has, Fox Business has, other reputable sites have published this study because it was a real live study. So get guess what? It's a bipartisan thing. It's because they've all talked about it, they've written about it. You can go on check. I'll put the link in the bio. You have Tennessee number 41. South Carolina, 44, Kentucky, 45, Alabama, 46, Arkansas, 47, Louisiana, 48, and Mississippi, 50 in education. 
So yes, if you if your state is not educated, you are going to be susceptible to low quality information. It and propaganda because you can be fooled by things. The more worldly that you are, the more experiences that you have, the better you can put things in perspective than living in your echo chamber or your silo. And while it uh, they examined multiple factors from that they believe form a well-educated population. That's educational attainment, school quality, school achievement, achievement gaps between genders and races. And they compared all 18 states across 18 metrics grouped into two categories. And it's for people of 25 years and older with at least a high school diploma to average university quality to gender gap in educational attainment. So that's how they did it. So it's just facts. You can't argue with it. Facts and data, right? Facts and data. Um, that leads me to voting. The general election is coming up and people will tell you, vote Republican, vote red, vote blue, vote Democrat. And I'm here to tell you that voting along party lines is stupid. The idea of this is how my daddy voted. So that's how I'm voting. This is what my family does. That's part of the reason why we're in this situation. I've never understood down ticket voting because politicians are crooked on both sides. They put party over country and the citizens so many times. Do what's best. Vote for people who do what's best for you, your community, your household, and then the country and all of that stuff. And there's no way that that can be done if you always vote with the people who you say you're affiliated and aligned with. Because everybody that is a Republican doesn't have the same beliefs. Everybody that's a Democrat does not have the same beliefs. And that's why it's very important to educate yourselves individually. Like state and local elections are far more important to your way of life than the presidency. Vote for people who are willing to do the right thing, even if it means sacrificing re-election because the powers that be won't support them. And the idea that the country will be better because one party has the uh, power is foolish because the country is is divided and has a problem right now. And look what we got. The executive branch, Republican control, Senate, Republican control, uh, Supreme Court, same thing. More governors that are Republicans. That doesn't mean Republicans are bad because I'm a conservative person. That's why I say down ticket voting is not the answer. You have to take each individual election on its own face. Sometimes I vote Republican. Sometimes I vote, vote Democrat. Sometimes I vote independent. It's just is what it is and how it should be done. And here's my parting shot. If you like somebody who has no morals, says racist things, demeans people they disagree with, lies, talks down to women, defrauds people, breaks the law, and blames everyone else for the things that they are responsible for, this says a lot more about you than it does about that person. 
That's a quote from Sage Rosenfelds, and I thought it was just, just perfect. The ends don't justify the means. Am I Reister or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment. Make sure you share. Peace out.